is the Stay at Home Mom Yarai podcast. You are about to listen to my mom. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you like it, please give it five stars. Thank you. and welcome to the stay-at-home mom yeah right podcast i'm sarah smith your host and i'm thrilled to be joined by carice laguerre she is a a wife a mom of four author of the book accomplished how to sleep better eliminate burnout and execute goals she is a myofunctional therapist and runs her own business the myospot oh and i also like to add she's also a, a podcast host with her husband harvey Welcome to my podcast, Carice. How are you today? I am so well. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, thanks so much for taking your time this morning. Um, You have four Black children. What has this past year been like for you and your family? I think it's been interesting and stressful at the same time. So we have one son and he is 17. And I think he's been very aware, especially being behind the wheel. It's actually caused him a lot of anxiety being behind the wheel. He's like, I I don't know that I want to drive. What happens if I get pulled over? I'm scared. And so it's been quite a year. I I don't know how to even describe it, but a lot of anxiety. Yeah. How are you getting through that? anxiety. I think we're having a lot of more open conversations and that's the key for us is that the more we communicate, I think the better we all feel about things. So we've been having these constant conversations and we've been talking about the fact that, you know, as long as we are aware of our surroundings and we have to have the conversation where we do the right things, right? Where our hands are visible right. all the time, that a lot of these things we don't really have to worry about so much we really just have to let go, let God. Absolutely. You are a myofunctional therapist. Can you explain what a myofunctional therapist does exactly? Yes. So a myofunctional therapist is like personal trainer, but for all the muscles below the eyes, but above the shoulder. So we work with a lot of the oral facial and some of the oral pharyngeal muscles to really help coordinate them because you'll be surprised how important they are, right? These are really our essential health and wellness. These are the borders that surround our upper respiratory system. And it all stems back into how you breathe and how you use those muscles that are really going to trigger overall health in a positive or in a negative. How did you get into this work? Through my children. That's, <laughs> I think a lot of us moms, that's our common thing, right? Right. right. So all of my kids had different issues, um, ADHD for my oldest one. Then we had sleep issues, every sleep issue under the sun. I mean, night terrors, bedwetting, sleepwalking, you name it, she went through it. And this was like a 10 year span. We went through that. Mm-hmm. And then my younger two went through the more common uh, sore throat, ear infection, like that double whammy all the time. So we had a different spectrum of things going on, but it really all was stemming back into how they were using those muscles I referenced. And that was brought out to me by a pediatric dentist. And once I fell down that rabbit hole, I could not go back. So what educational background do you have to have in order to be a myofunctional therapist? 
So either a registered dental hygienist, which is my primary trade and licensure, or a speech language pathologist, both really the prime, the specialist of oral health. Hmm. I don't think I really understood the importance of getting a good night's sleep until I became a mom, (laughs) because when our kids aren't good sleepers, we too lack a good night's sleep. I read that many other parents, like many many other parents, you suffered in silence while your children struggled with the symptoms of undiagnosed sleep and breathing issues. It was the dentist who helped you at first. Is that right? Yes, it was the dentist who brought it all at light. And can you explain what life was like for you as a parent when your children were younger um, in terms of like lack of sleep and what happened? Yes. So when we have problems with sleep, it manifests in numerous ways, right? With my son, it manifested as ADHD. With my daughter, it manifested into all these sleep issues. But that really is going to affect, one, their growth, because the only time that a child's body will secrete the human growth hormone is while they're in sleep and they have to be in stage three sleep long enough for it to produce. If they're not sleeping well, they won't get that. So one growth is going to be a big major factor that's going to be impacted. But two, brain function and health, their cognitive abilities, their ability to hold their impulses, their ability to really critically think and manage their day, it's going to be highly affected because the only time the brain restores is during sleep. During that REM, that's the only time the brain does it. Throughout the rest of the day, the brain is functioning, keeping us alive, but it's got to get its restorative ability. So it was very stressful as a mom dealing with behavioral and impulse control. You know, the kids were unable to really make it through a day. We were going to the principal's office or having to talk to different teachers because the grades weren't where they should be. It's been really like night and day being able to manage that now through better sleep. It's like meeting my children for the first time. Wow. (laughs) Um, Can you talk about how ADHD can sometimes be a misdiagnosis for a sleep disorder? Absolutely. So ADHD, we have to remember, is not something that you go, you get blood work for, you get an MRI, like you get a definitive diagnosis because yes, it says so here, this test. It's really a symptom-based diagnosis. So when we're talking about symptoms, we have to think about, well, what are other coordinating things that might be a differential diagnosis? And when it comes to ADHD in children, it is a 70% overlap between ADHD symptoms and the symptoms of obstructive sleep disorders. So when we're having those issues, I think the best route to really go with a high correlation, that 70%, is to go get a definitive test, a sleep study, because you can manage sleep issues in a more natural way. Whereas ADHD, we're kind of limited. I mean, the top line of choice for many physicians is going to be to medicate the child. And so I err in the side of, you know, let's rule everything else that we can get a definitive test for out before we 100% say that it's ADHD. And how would a parent know when to get their child tested for a sleep disorder? How would you know that? That's a great question. So the number one sign is going to be you hear them snoring. I mean, I think a lot of people think that it's adorable. It's cute. You know, (laughs) oh, they sound just like dad. But the snoring, if we think about it, right, it's really the sound of air meeting resistance as it's trying to pass through that upper respiratory tract. And nothing about that sounds healthy. Nothing about that is adorable. That's going to be 
number one trigger that will definitely be your telltale sign that yes, something underlying is going on. They can't possibly get restorative sleep when they're having struggles breathing. Okay. So number one, if it's snoring, number two, if you're seeing that your child has a lot of issues with, you know, um, gagging or upper respiratory issues like asthma, when we have these narrow tracks, that's going to be another telltale sign that there could be something else going on. The upper respiratory system is where it all starts. The lungs, yes, are very important, but we've got to get it through and to the lungs. So the upper respiratory tract is key. If you find that they're snoring or if they're having a lot of gagging and they're having trouble at the dentist office, they have very narrow arches, they have asthma, they have things that are very constrictive for that upper respiratory system, you should get the child tested. And you have you found um, disparities in the black community? Yes, significantly. And it's so sad. So because of where we are in the medical community with these forward thinking airway diagnosis, right? So myofunctional therapy is not a household name. We go back 15 years ago, lactation consulting was not like an everyday thing. It wasn't as common as it is now. It wasn't covered like it is now for insurance. So when we have these things that are more fee for service, they tend to be in more affluent areas. They tend to not have any providers that are working Mm -hmm. on a lower scale or who might be working at a clinic, who might be reaching urban communities. A lot of them are very, um, very selective with how they practice. And I think that that is going to be the number one telltale sign for a disparity is that we don't have access to care. We don't have access to information as we should. How can we get the information? How can we get it into our communities? It's very important to advocate. I think 100% we have to start doing a lot more of our own research, right? So Mm -hmm. it's going to start with being able to seek out information for alternative diagnoses. Once you start to find that information, you can find providers who would be able to I know a lot of good myofunctional therapists that do a lot of great uh, charity care and do work on a sliding scale as far as their fees, but you're not going to find us if you never know myofunctional therapy exists. So I try to do as many podcasts as possible and get out there in the media Mm -hmm. and try to promote as possible. But I think most parents need to really advocate. Don't Mm -hmm. just sit back and say, okay, it's ADHD. We're going to medicate it. Try to figure out what could also be there. Um, Try to get as much of your Google, you know, medical degree as possible. (laughs) (laughs) You have a book, Accomplished, How to Sleep Better, Eliminate Burnout and Execute Goals. Can you talk about your book? Yes. So Accomplished was a labor of love. And that was my other effort to kind of reach out and get people as much information as possible about the importance of sleep and how it can impact your day, how it can impact your health, how it can impact your productivity in ways you may not have even thought about. And it really dives into the things that people don't usually talk about. So everybody's talking about the very common sleep tips. Yes, you should, you know, eliminate some of the blue light. Yes, you should make sure that you're not eating too close to bed, that stuff. But when all those tips aren't working, it's because 
else underlying. And it's probably a lot of what we talked about today with the myofunctional and the upper respiratory issues that are not really there. So it's a fantastic, easy to read book. I really don't get too medical or scientific. And I think that it's a wonderful resource for parents or just people looking for their own help. Congratulations. That's amazing. Um, we always hear that we need eight hours of sleep, but in your book accomplished, you talk about the quality sleep versus quantity of sleep. Can you explain this? Absolutely. So like I was saying with cycling through the sleep stages, if you're not breathing adequately, you're not going to cycle through adequately. So while we may have like my kids were originally back when we had a lot of our issues, they were in bed for 10, 12 hours at night. They were in bed sleeping with air quotes, mm-hmm. sleeping. And right. what I thought was a regular schedule was working, right? wrong. It's actually the fact that they didn't have their sleep stages actually cycling through the way that it should. So they never stayed in a deep sleep. They never stayed in that REM. So the quality of their sleep was detrimental to their health. And it didn't matter how long they were in the bed. So that quantity, the hours, that duration, Mm -hmm. that's like a myth because Anybody could be in a light stage of sleep for several hours, but none of that was going to be restorative. And so it's really important that we start to focus on, you know, everybody who has the Apple watches or who has something to sleep and track their uh, sleeper sleep cycles, that you are watching that and you're making sure that you're actually getting into each sleep stage and you're staying in that REM for long enough to be able to restore at night. Because if you don't reach it, you don't get the benefits. Would you say that um, a proper routine before bed is important to get to that sleep or how, how do we know that we can get to that deep sleep? That's yes. <laughs> yes, it's incredibly important. Um, our circadian rhythm is going to be key for when we are you know, trying to establish better sleep patterns, right? But we can't cycle our biological clocks if we aren't keeping it regular, right? We have to establish a routine. And a lot of us here, especially as moms, the importance of routines when it comes to babies or children, you have to keep them on a routine. They thrive off routines. We thrive off routines too. We as adults need them just as much. So it's very important to make sure that you're establishing just like a routine bedtime. And then it has to be a wind down, like restful because the first few stages of sleep stage one and stage two are going to be the body kind of winding down. That's that light sleep where you may not even realize that you went to sleep. Somebody might be like, Hey, are you sleeping? You're like, nah, I was up. (laughs) Close my eyes. (laughs) Exactly. You've got to wind your body down. So you want to, if you want to enjoy restful activity, Activities as you're getting down into bed. So be consistent with your bedtime and make it really restful. Don't do anything too active prior to bed. That way your body is more likely to be able to fall into that first stage and second stage easier. This is so interesting. How does our poor sleep impact our overall health? Ooh, well, 
First of all, it's going to impact that brain health. Like we talked about, um, our brain will only detoxify itself when we are sleeping. So just like the rest of our body has like the endocrine system, we have our lymphatics, we're able to drain and get rid of waste in our body in so many other places. Our brain, our most important organ does not get rid of waste. It does not input memories. It does not do nearly any of the restorative abilities that it's supposed to do unless you go down to bed and get into that REM. So when you're not in REM, the cognitive abilities are going to be affected in a negative manner. We're going to have decline in your ability to really respond to things. You're going to be impaired in your impulses. They call it like a drunken mind in the sleep medicine world where, you know, you feel like you're almost walking through the world drunk. You're, you're in a haze, you're in a daze. You really cannot function because the brain has so much stuff built up. It doesn't get to detox appropriately. And so the brain is also where everything else is going to fill off of, right? So the brain controls everything else. We find a lot of correlation with heart problems. We find a lot of correlation with blood pressure regulation. We find correlation with upper respiratory and breathing issues. Your brain is not going to be able to power all the systems it needs to. So cognitive ability is like the number one impact because it's like a trickle, a domino effect. Absolutely. Um, it was a dentist who helped your situation and not a doctor. Do you find that more dentists are being trained in myofunctional therapy? Yes. So it's definitely growing a lot. And I find that the more dentists we get on board, the more they're trying to educate the physicians because we want to work together. You know, I think it's so interesting that insurance has kind of pulled it into two different worlds where it's medical and dental, but like everybody's teeth are really attached to their body. So I don't see how it's all separated. (laughs) (laughs) So the more we work together, the better it is. So yes, I find that it is 100% growing within dental. You'll be the first to hear about it in your dental office for sure. But I find that we're pulling along those physicians. We're like, hey, come on, be aware of these things and refer out as needed. Absolutely. With all that you do, do you have time for self-care? And if so, what does that look like for you? Oh man, you know, that's a big question. (laughs) Um, With all that I do, I try to find as much time as I can for self-care. Self-care for me, honestly, is just like vegging out, just laying down, doing nothing, probably watching one of the real housewives of some city. That way I could just, you know, let my brain not function for like an hour and a half. (laughs) That's funny. Um, How can people find you? And your book. My book is available on Amazon. It's accomplished how to sleep better, eliminate burnout and execute goals. It's available there in Kindle and paperback. You can also find me on my website. Um, It's www.themyospot.com. It's my private practice site. If you go on there and if anything that we talked about today, you feel like it's triggered you as a listener and you're thinking that something may be wrong on my website, you can book and schedule a free consultation. We talk for 15, 20 minutes minutes, find out if myofunctional therapy is right for you. If it's not, I have a wonderful network of providers that I can refer you to alternatively. If so, you know, we take the next steps moving forward. And you can also follow me on social media, Instagram or Facebook. Both are at the myospot. 
Wonderful. Thank you so much, Carice. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. It was fun. I enjoyed it. You have just listened to the Stay at Home Mom Yeah Right podcast with my mom. I hope you enjoy listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you liked it, please give it five stars. Thank you. Thank you.